Hello, hello. Welcome back to the On My Mind podcast. Or if you're new here, hello. My name is Ava. I'm your host. I'm 23 years old. I have been doing social media for 10 years, which is why I'm doing this episode, part two of my series of the world of social media, talking about my experience with it. And I feel like it's also just so new and it's becoming so much more popular that people are becoming content creators that I wanted to do a two-part series on this. So the first part, I was talking about my own personal experience growing up on social media, starting at 13, doing it for 10 years, making it a career that supports my life that I've been able to travel all over the world for and create my own business out of, how I've done that. So that was the last episode. It was literally an hour long. So I pretty much recap every single thing that I could. And I also answered your questions about my journey. So if you're interested in that, I would definitely give the last episode a listen. But in this episode, I wanted to talk about my advice for you. If you're just interested in becoming a content creator, maybe for fun, or maybe you're interested in it becoming a side business, maybe you want to do what I do and make it your full-time career. Maybe you're a little bit in already and you've already been posting or you're starting with nothing from scratch. Either is totally okay. I'm just here to give my advice from someone who's been doing it for a very long time. I thought it'd be fun to share my ideas and my tips and my advice, answer your questions because I feel like it's becoming more and more popular. Also, maybe you're just interested in this whole world. So whatever reason you're listening to this podcast, I hope you enjoy. I hope it's informative. I feel like I definitely have an interesting perspective because I've been doing it for so long. Honestly, social media is such a different beast than it used to be because it's changed so much in the past 10 years. I mean, if you're on social media, which I'm sure you are because you're listening to this podcast, why else would you be listening unless you were curious? Uh, Yeah, it's changed so much. TikTok was not a thing when I first started. That's been a new addition. But this is just my perspectives, my opinions, what I think works based on someone who's been doing it for so long. But also... I think there's different, you know, outlooks on it from people who have recently started. Everyone has such a different journey with it. So this is just my journey and hopefully it can, hopefully the advice that I have from my own experiences can help you and make you feel more confident in doing it because I feel like sometimes with social media, people tend to like gatekeep information, which I don't understand. I personally believe that there's enough to go around. So in this episode, I'm going to answer all of your questions. I asked you all on the podcast Instagram, which is at my mind pod. If you want to participate in future episodes, I asked you all what you wanted to know about doing social media tips, tricks that you guys need advice that you need. So I'm hoping that this helps. And yeah, I'm hoping that this episode inspires you to get posting, get started, or if you already have started and you're a little bit into it, maybe taking it to the next level. This episode is for anyone and everyone because truly anyone can do it. Anyone can start. And yeah, I'm excited to get into these questions, see what you all have to ask. Like I said, I already did a part one talking about my own experiences. So maybe listen to that first or listen to that after this. But let's dive into these questions. I'm filming the first YouTube video. What is the best way to start posting? Hopefully you don't get annoyed with this answer, but the best way to start something is just by doing it. I think with anything in life. We build so much resistance towards starting something and doing something new for the first time. And the longer we wait and the longer we put that off, you're just making it so much harder for you down the road. The sooner you can rip off the Band-Aid, truly, it will help so much. I think with this sort of thing, it's helpful to just get the ball rolling. It doesn't have to be perfect. My first few videos were 
far from perfect, but that's not what it's about. Honestly, it's just about building momentum. And genuinely, this goes for anything in life, but especially with content creation, I feel like there's so many things to get over in terms of nervousness and worrying about what other people are going to think. And yeah, you just have to do the damn thing and post that video. It doesn't have to be your best work. The only way you're going to get better at something is by doing it. And I feel like the only reason that I've gotten, I would say pretty good at making YouTube videos is because I've made over 500 videos, which is a lot. (laughs) There's so many videos on my channel. And if you scroll back all the way down, I'm thinking about privating some one of these days, but hey, the internet is yours to roam. If you want to look back, sure. I've privated some, but so many are still live because there's just so many. Uh, Yeah, you'll notice that it's not my best work by no means. I didn't know what I was doing, but that didn't matter. It was just about starting and doing it. And then over time, I built the confidence. I built my skills. I worked on it, but you're not going to be able to get better at something if you don't just do it. I think a good way to get familiar with the camera, which I feel like it's a common issue that people have when they start doing content creation is they feel so awkward in front of the camera, which I get because it's not normal to be like talking to yourself and doing it. So even if it's not something that you end up posting, I would just recommend getting repetition in. Talk to the camera, talk about your day. It takes a little bit of getting used to to talk about yourself and make literal conversation with yourself. That's something that I didn't realize is a skill that I have because how often is it that you sit down and speak out loud to yourself and like make a conversation and make it interesting for 45 minutes at a time, which is what I do with this podcast. It takes practice. A good example, even with this podcast, I was so nervous to start. I thought I was going to have it easy because I've been doing YouTube for so long. When I started this, I was like, oh, it's going to be just like filming YouTube videos. It's not because it's so much more long form. And I feel like with videos, I could use my artistic creativity to make it interesting in other ways. But with a podcast, literally the only thing that is holding a viewer here is my voice and what I'm saying. Whereas in a YouTube video, I can be like showing stuff and talking about what I'm showing. But with a podcast, I'm not showing anything. I'm just telling stories, talking from my head and my heart. So it was definitely a jump scare and a shock to start this, but I didn't want that to hold me back from starting because I had already put it off for so long. I was like, the only way I'm going to get better at this is to start doing it. I don't need to worry about perfection because that's just, no, I'm going to put a hold to so many things in my life if I'm going to wait till I'm perfect at it because that's just unrealistic. But yeah, I think just doing a few practice rounds and then making a video Maybe it's like a sit down, actually not a sit down because that could be a little uncomfortable. Maybe introducing yourself to the camera for your first YouTube video, take the viewers along for a day or have a theme to the video, edit it or don't, it's up to you and just post it. Sometimes I feel like we make things so much harder than they are just because we overthink it. So just make it easier on yourself. What would be an ideal posting schedule is posting once a week enough. So I have had the privilege and the opportunity to get like the inside scoops from people who work in the industry for these apps and talk about how to actually grow. And every app is so different. With TikTok, they want you to post as often as you can, multiple times a day, which, listen, I didn't start with TikTok. I'm a long form girly at heart. So doing short form is not my expertise and I'm not used to it. So I don't do a good job of this. Other people do. People who built their career off of TikTok and are full-time TikTokers go to their page and see what they do because they are posting so often. Honestly, I try to post a few times a week, which I know is not enough to properly grow on TikTok unless you hit gold 
and then you get a viral video but i also don't think viral videos are the best way to grow and i'll explain why actually i'm probably gonna get off topic anyway i'll explain why now i think with viral videos if something goes viral people yeah you'll get a lot of new eyes on your channel or your page gain maybe new followers but then they're always going to expect content like that from you. I talked about this in the episode before, but I was someone who was a very slow burn with growing on the internet. It took me so long to build a platform, but I feel like now, especially with TikTok, people just go viral overnight, which is not necessarily bad, but a lot of the times things go viral because it's part of a trend. So then if people find you from that, they're expecting content like that from you. And if you that's not what you do, then it's like, oh, well, I don't know what you guys want from me because I've had videos go viral on TikTok and I'm like, um, this is not normally the content that I post, but I was contributing to a trend and it went kind of viral, but like, this is not really what I do. Anyway, that's just one person's opinion. Sometimes it's nice to, you know, strike gold a little bit, hit the jackpot, go viral, but I think longevity wise, maybe not the best route. However, that's not even something you can control. So let's not even worry about it. In terms of YouTube, I think once twice a week if you can is great i think especially when you're starting getting as many videos out as possible is great i go back and forth between quality over quantity quantity over quality and it's hard because i think especially when you're starting you get so nervous to post already and if you are like oh quality over quantity as long as it's quality videos it doesn't matter if you are having quality videos if no one's going to watch it anyway And I think the best way to get discovered is by posting more because it's more opportunity for people to find your videos. And I guess this goes for any other platform too, but there's more opportunity for people to find you because like I said, who cares if you have the best production ever on a video, you're so proud of it, if no one's even going to see it. And so I think you have to take that into consideration, obviously give and take, but for the most part, I would say that getting content out there is the most important. Maybe try and find the balance of both. Don't worry about perfectionism, but also try and be consistent. I post once a week. When I was first starting on YouTube, I was posting three times a week, which is crazy. And like I said, they weren't like the most quality videos. However, it's what got my videos out there. It was more opportunity to be seen. So now I've kind of pulled back a little bit. I post once a week right now and I really like that schedule. I feel like for me, it's the perfect balance of having something that's quality Well, also, I feel like four videos a month is pretty good. Everyone's different, but that's just what I do. And then Instagram, honestly, I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram right now because they just want you to post shorts, or not shorts, reels, and that's the only way you're going to grow. But I'm like, Instagram was a photo app, first and foremost. Why are we trying to make it like a second TikTok? Again, with social media, if you want to grow, then you have to do what the algorithm wants, and it kind of sucks. And I feel like I'm in a little bit of a different position now because I've already built a platform so much longer ago that I've mostly been like maintaining. My goal and mission right now is not to grow, but mostly to maintain. And I'm lucky that I have a pretty good sized audience to do that with. But if you're newer right now, Instagram wants reels from you. They want video, short form, content. You can still post photos, but you're going to gain way more reach with reels. Literally, and I heard this from a very reputable source, you're not going to grow if you're just posting photos. With TikTok, the more you post, the more exposure you can get, the more eyes are going to be on you, the more you're going to grow. And even with YouTube, there's such an emphasis on shorts right now. Yeah, that's one of the ways 
the surefire ways wait what did I just say that's one of the sure ways that you're gonna grow on YouTube right now is to post shorts which I also have a love-hate relationship because in my mind YouTube is a long-form platform so I'm like yo stay in your lane but it's interesting I at first was very resistant towards that and I was like I don't want to post shorts so I just kept doing my thing doing my vlogs doing my videos my long-form videos like I always do my subscribers have been going down steadily for so long or just staying the same. I haven't been growing and it's been ages since I've like been in the green with my subscribers in my analytics on YouTube, which is a little frustrating. I had a call with my manager and she was like, the only way you're going to grow is to post shorts. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to go with the flows of social media because if this is what they want and I want to grow, then yeah, I'm going to have to do what they're wanting from me. So I said, okay, for the next two weeks, I'm going to post a short every single day. Sure enough, my channel has been in the green. I've been growing. And I'm like, oh my goodness. It hasn't been necessarily translating to getting more views on YouTube, but that wasn't the purpose of my little experiment. However, I was like, damn, they were right. CoverGirl's Lash Blast Cleantopia, the plant-powered mascara you know and love, is now available in a new ultramarine black shade, a fun twist on classic black. I'm definitely no beauty guru anymore. I definitely wanted to be one at a certain point early on in my <laughs> social media career, but I do love doing my makeup. I love finding products that work for me whenever I'm doing my makeup. Mascara is definitely that one product that completes the whole look. I'm more of a natural girly when it comes to makeup and how I like to wear it on a daily basis. So whenever I do play around with it, I'm always trying to enhance my natural features. And with the new Cleantopia mascara from CoverGirl, I can do just that. Inspired by the power of plants, it's CoverGirl's first plant-powered clean vegan mascara for extreme lush volume. The hourglass brush wraps, lifts, and volumizes every single lash from root to tip for up to 300% more volume for all lashes. Its vegan formula leaves lashes feeling conditioned, nourished, and cared for. This new shade uses ultramarine pigments for an intense black with a hint of blue for brighter, more wide awake looking eyes. It's a fun twist on classic black with the new ultramarine black shade. I love doing my makeup. I also love using clean beauty products. With this new mascara, you can enjoy both, whether it's girls night, date night, or anything in between. This is is such a good go-to mascara with just a coat or two. It truly transforms your lashes by adding volume and length. I'm very particular about my mascaras. And this one I love only from Easy Breezy Beautiful Cover Girl. So to any newer creators out there, short form is definitely very, very important. That's the way you're going to get seen and discovered. And especially when you're just starting out, if you're brand new starting from zero or you're just on the newer side, you're a smaller creator, that's the best way for you to get found, which is obviously really important when you're trying to get your name out there, grinding away, trying to grow your platform. You got to do what the platforms want from you. Like I said, I'm in a different situation because I already have a sizable audience. However, I do try and keep up a little bit with a short form because, you know, I want to keep my platforms healthy and happy. I'm not going to stop long form altogether because I know so many people are like me and they love it too. And I think with anything in life, the pendulum always goes back and forth. And I think one day long form will be in again. But yeah, right now attention spans are super short. People are loving it. So you kind of got to feed into it a little bit. I will say the one thing I think is super special about long form. And I know a lot of people who are starting now on TikTok because so many people that are becoming content creators these days are starting on TikTok. They're not starting on like back in the day, people got popular on YouTube and then they branched out into other things. 
people are now getting found and seen and their career started with TikTok. I think the special thing about doing long form content is that you get to make such a more intimate personal connection with the creator because in short form, there's only so much you can say within a period of time. There's, there's only so much you can show. And I just feel like long form is so much more personal. You can get so much more in depth and it really just feels like a FaceTime call with a friend, which builds trust and community. Sometimes it can be hard to do that with short form. So I think the people that do both find a lot of success. A good example of this is Monet, the makeup artist. She started on TikTok, gained a ton of popularity, and then started a YouTube channel where people feel way more connected because it's long form content. They actually get to see her day to day life and like the extra things that you can't fit into a 15 to 60 second TikTok. There's so much more you can do. And like I said, building a community, I think with long form, you get to do that. Not saying that it's impossible with short form. I just think it's another amazing layer to it. So maybe I'm a little biased because I was a born and bred YouTube girl and I always will be. That'll always be like my favorite main platform. And that's where I feel like we just connect the most and it's just so fun. But yeah, I think having that is a great second thing. It doesn't have to be like your full-time thing posting all the time, but I don't know. I personally think having a YouTube channel is great to add. But like I said, the best way to get discovered th these days, the platform to do that is on TikTok. And this is just made more and more true and apparent every <laughs> single month when someone else new pops off, becomes famous from TikTok. It is just crazy. And yeah, it just proves that TikTok is the platform to do that. Is it too late to start? I'm 20 and feel like I would be seen as immature for vlogging. Absolutely not. I'm turning 24 this year. I'm still going to be vlogging. Also, there's audiences for anything and everything people get so niche with what they post i don't think it's ever too late to start genuinely most things in life and the idea that it is too late is what holds us back from doing things that we want to do and why would we want to do that but no i'm a 23 year old woman who woman whoa i'm not a girl anymore i'm not a little girl uh yeah i'm 23 still vlogging my life still vlogging my day to day like hey guys look at this new concealer i got like no i don't think it's immature i think it's fun it's if anything if you're not even looking to do it as a job, it's a fun time capsule. Yeah, I would say do it. There's people who will watch your videos. Like I said, there's a niche for everything. There's also age groups for everything. I don't think I attract the 13-year-olds who want slime videos, obviously. My main demographic are people my age in maybe similar stages of life or not, but just maybe around a similar age. That's my main demographic. So, yeah, there's always people that will watch your videos that will be interested in the type of content that you make. Don't let the age thing scare you off from trying something new. Maybe it's your thing, maybe it's not, but the only way you're going to find out is by doing it. How to overcome the mental block of a quote-unquote perfect IG feed. Oh, let me tell you, this had a chokehold on me for the longest time. I think maybe it was in 2020 and 2021. I was so particular about it. It started to rule my life and it made creating so unfun oh i don't know it, i think it's like important but it's also not that important if it's gonna stop your creativity then you know what it's not like worth it however sometimes i mean i love looking at someone's pretty feed but also when people post like random filler pics that are literally just for the aesthetic i'm almost like i don't really want to follow you because i don't really want these photos in my feed mostly people are not looking at other people's instagram page as a whole you look at what they're posting as it comes not their page unless you're like stalking them then you notice but usually it's not even a thing that you notice 
I don't know, for me, I was obsessed with this for so long. And like I said, I think it really stumped my creativity, which is the last thing you want as a content creator in your life, your career, or whatever. If your passion is content, you don't want that to be like have the life snuffed out of that. Like I said, every case is different, but most people aren't getting famous or getting followers on Instagram for only because they have an aesthetic feed. Like, no. Do I curate the pictures that I post? Yes, but I no longer post like a random picture of a flat. I mean, I would, but not just so that my feed would look good just because I wanted to. But yeah, I was just getting, uh, it was just getting way too much. And I didn't even notice a growth when my feed was chef's kiss. Amazing. I was like, um, does anyone even notice this? Like maybe a few people. Cool. But it's not directly affecting my growth. So what's really the purpose? I mean, it is nice to have a feed. Like I said, curating your photos so that your feed is nice but not so curated to the point that you're planning out all your photos and you have to go take filler photos to make it I mean like I said everyone's different if that is your thing that is your thing for me it stressed me out for other people it is their pride and joy so let it be your pride and joy but this person said how to overcome the mental block if it's like I said blocking your creativity it is genuinely not worth it also life hack my favorite thing to do because like I said sometimes I I like a nice looking feed but I'm trying not to be hyper obsessed with it like I used to be it just took up way too much mental space that was really unnecessary now when I post a reel if I'm like oh I kind of want a cute like filler photo on my feed I would just add the reel to my feed and then make a cute filler photo as that so it's showing up on people's following page as a reel but then on my feed it's a cute photo win-win that's actually my favorite thing to do funny enough some of the things that I've been not too sure if I should post because they were a little more unesthetic or whatever like oh my gosh (laughs) got the most likes because it was the most organic and the most real how did you begin filming around your family so valid of a question. I know this can be really uncomfortable. I think filming in front of anyone for the first time takes a little bit of practice. I think it's just a matter of getting them used to it. Or, I mean, listen, if it's going to hinder your content, like if you're always, if you live at home and you're always around your family and you're not, the only place you can vlog is your room. I used to do that. That's pretty much where my channel started, in my room, because I didn't want to film in front of other people. I was awkward and uncomfortable. Eventually, I feel like it just happened. And I was like, okay, well, I kind of need to branch out a little bit and it's going to hinder my content if I don't film in front of them. So just do the damn thing. I, it's taken, an, I mean, even vlogging in public has taken me a long time to care less. I still get a little bit nervous. If I'm with someone else, my full arm will be extended. But when I'm alone, I'm a little more timid. However, one thing about me, I will get the shot that I want because when I'm editing, I want to sit down and be proud of the shots that I got. And I'll think to myself, is me feeling awkward and uncomfortable for 10 seconds worth getting this shot? Yes, it is. What motivates me and what I always come back to is telling myself, you want to have a good vlog. I think the recipe for a good vlog, this goes for whether you're vlogging your day on TikTok, for YouTube, whatever it is. You want to show, don't tell. I get so bored when creators just tell me what they did and they're sitting down. They're like, oh, I did this this morning and this, this, this. And I'm like, where's the clips? take me along it's so much more interesting I just fast forward those parts because I'm like well (laughs) I want to see what you did showing not telling makes your video a lot more engaging a lot more fun to watch so that's why I will do what I can and do what I need to do to get the shot because I want to keep people engaged and yeah I heard that tip a long time ago and it stuck with me because I didn't even realize it until this creator I forget who it was that talked about it but pointed it out they were like 
it's so boring when someone's just sitting there telling you about their day and all they're doing is recapping everything they did, which I mean, I've done that before. There's moments where I'll do that here and there, but for the most part, I try to show as much as I can. And sometimes that means getting a little bit uncomfortable and just doing it. Also, if someone's uncomfortable with being in front of the camera, maybe ask them first, be like, hey, I'm about to film. Do you mind if you're in the background of of this? If so, leave (laughs) or make sure you're not in it. I used to get really nervous around Micah (laughs) when we first started dating and I would like film around him because it's just new and it was different to him and... It's funny when I'm with my creator friends, it's just second nature. Some vlog camera's always out. Someone's always recording. It's just second nature to us, but I would get so nervous in front of him. So only recently have I gotten comfortable to film in front of him, which is thank God because we live together. So I needed to learn how to do that. But yeah, sometimes it just takes time. What video editor do you use? I use Final Cut Pro. It's just $300 for one time i've only had to pay it once and i've gotten different computers i say just 300 dollars because it does so much and also it's a business write-off and also like i said i've never had to repurchase it i think iMovie is amazing iMovie can get you to do what you need to do i just there was a time where i was using all these fun transitions and effects i could definitely edit my videos on iMovie if i wanted to now but yeah i've just been using final cut pro but If you're editing on your phone, there's iMovie for your phone and that's free. People use CapCut. I feel like that takes way longer. But yeah, I think iMovie is the easiest way to go if you have Apple products. It's pretty easy and self-explanatory to do. It definitely mostly just has simple stuff. And I feel like if that's the vibe that you want to go for, then great. That's kind of what's in anyway is simplicity. So yeah, there's so many questions about being scared because of what people in your real life think of you. Someone asked how to handle the fear of being seen. If this is what you want to do and something you want to do, it's something you're just going to have to push through and get over. And I know that sounds so harsh, but content creation is about being seen. Especially, I mean, listen, it's if you're going to make try and make a career out of it, if you want followers, if you want brand deals, you're only going to get sponsored. If you have followers, you're only going to get followers if they see you. And if that is like a non-negotiable, like you do not want to be perceived, then it's not the job for you and that's okay even if or you know if you just are passionate about content creation make all your shit on private like you don't have to post it for the public but i also understand the fear of judgment from people around you listen if they want to judge let them judge you're doing your thing you're doing something you're passionate about i'm sorry what's there to make fun of if people want to talk let them talk i got made fun of in middle school for doing youtube and now here i am so if that is not a testimonial of success, I don't know what is. How to have ideas for posting every day. Great question. Post what you're doing. If you have a thought that you want to share, post that. You living your life is content and it's weird to look at that. Look at it like that when you first start, but it's so interesting. I feel like I've almost been conditioned. Everything in my life is content. I'm going through something hard. Mm, It sucks, but it could also be content one day. Maybe not now while it's fresh. And some things I won't share, yes, but good moments, it's content. Funny moments, it's content. Like, literally anything can be content which is kind of a crazy way to look at it but you just living your life is a million content ideas in one are you getting ready talk about a story time of you in high school funny story time while you're getting ready talk about your coffee recipe like there's so many random things people just like to see other people living life which is such an interesting concept and people also just like feeling seen and understood so if you're going through something guarantee someone else in the world is also going through it and people like to connect with others through shared experiences so that's like you know talking about your feelings your emotions things you've been through 
with whatever is within comfortability for you, of course. But honestly, the kind of content that's in nowadays is the stuff that's real. People don't like curated things as much anymore. I mean, there's definitely a niche for that. But for the most part, what I've noticed and taken is that people just want to feel like they're on FaceTime with you. So treat the camera like a friend. Talk to it like a friend. I know you should post what you like, but how do you know what you like? You get to know what style of content you like by trying out so many different styles and you get to know the kind of content that you like to post by posting all different styles. There's things that I've tried that I just wanted to try because I didn't know what my style was, didn't resonate with it. And then you finally find something that you do. So honestly, I feel like it's just a matter of trial and error. And I think that's the best way to do it. All right. Switching gears a little bit with this question, monetizing and partnership deals where do you start? I'll kind of give a quick little summary because there's people who make content just about this topic on TikTok, on YouTube, go search for it because they provide a lot of information and that would just be its own podcast episode in and of itself. But yeah, there's things like taxes that, listen, I'm not the person to come to for that advice. I don't know what I'm doing. That's why I have a CPA who helps me manage my money and like does the taxes and things for me because I could not. The first year that I had to do it by myself, my dad helped me. It was horrifying. So I have help with that now. So I'm not the person to come to for that. But let's talk brand deals, getting free product. We all know PR is a really fun part of the content creator job. I'm sure you've seen influencers and content creators do PR hauls. Super fun. That's basically when a brand sends you product for you to try. Usually there's no posting requirements because that would mean that they would have to pay you or have some sort of contract. PR is just solely, they hope that you'll promote it, but there's no legal ties to. Honestly, I feel like that is an easier place to start. Some brands don't even do paid partnership deals. A lot more do nowadays, but a lot of like most brands do PR and I feel like it's good to get your feet wet with that first. Again, your journey is your journey, but I feel like Once you start posting content about products, then you have more of a foundation for when you do a paid partnership one day of, hey, this is what it looks like when I promote a product. People, this is the analytics of how many link clicks it got when when I linked it. You have more evidence that you can promote and sell a product because that is all what a paid partnership is about. They want something in return, whether that's sales. Sometimes the brand deals are more about just getting their name out there, brand awareness. Every campaign is different. But yeah, sometimes, like I said, it's nice to have that foundation of, hey, I've been gifted products here before. Then you have like evidence and analytics of links and all those kind of things. So I think it's important to start with that. Again, that's a little bit more <laughs> easy to do only because you're not asking for money and Yeah, when you get into paid partnerships and stuff, that's when contracts become involved. It's a lot more complicated. Getting gifted things is as easy as them agreeing to it and then you sending them your address. So to do that, find brands that you align with, maybe even organically post them first just so it's not random. Let's say you want gifting from, I'm looking at my Olipop can in front of me. I'm drinking an Olipop classic root beer right now. It would be kind of random if you were like, hey, I love your product. I was wondering if you'd be interested in gifting and you haven't posted them before because they're like, uh, maybe that that could be random. I mean, some brands will. But if they see that you've mentioned them in your story before or given them a tag, they're a lot more likely to be like, oh, cool. I think that's a great place to start. Also, yeah, when it comes to PR, a lot of brands do it from like you can just DM them on Instagram 
PR is a lot more casual. Paid partnerships, usually you want to find their business marketing email. It's a little more professional or you could ask. Sometimes you get lucky asking them on Instagram what their marketing or influencer marketing email is and then they can connect you with that. But yeah, for PR, DM is like casual. It's fine. It doesn't hurt to give a brand a tag. It gets you more familiar with them and gets them more familiar with you. And then from there, you kind of just build a relationship, which is so random. I remember one time Prime showed up at my door and I was like, what is going on? Like, I've never had communications with them. And then they, I saw that they had DM'd me and I was like, okay, that's nice. I tried the product. I became obsessed. I started posting. I would like tag them if I was drinking it. And now I'm like besties with whoever runs that Instagram. They're so nice, which is really sweet. It's a very fun perk of the job. To get into paid partnerships, like I said, most of the time it's done over email. If you can find their marketing email, if you have a connection with a friend who's worked with them and they can give you that, sometimes you got to do some deep digging to find it by yourself. If you listened to my last episode, then you know that I have a manager, so she does all of that for me, which is so nice because that in and of itself is a full-time job and so many creators do it by themselves, so it is 100% possible to make a very good, sizable living managing yourself and doing it yourself. But yeah, I have someone who helps me, so I don't have the most information on this, but before I got signed and before I started working with a manager, I would communicate with people via email. Again, if they're already familiar with you, if you've worked with them before, if they sent you PR or they've seen that you've talked about their product, it makes it a lot easier to make that connection. But yeah, I think one of my biggest tips is to make sure that the brand that you want to work with aligns with you and that you align with them. It has to be fluid and I think it should benefit both ends. There should be a benefit for them for paying you and working with you and there should be one vice versa. It can be so hard to figure out how to price yourself, how to negotiate contracts just be careful there's a lot of information out there on how to handle all that and navigate it like I said that's not what this whole episode is about but I just wanted to talk about it a little bit but yeah there's definitely a lot better information out there that can be more helpful but I will say no matter how small you are brands are willing to work with pretty much any size creator at this point and it's so interesting because I remember a long time ago I was talking to one of uh, my internet friends and she was way bigger than me at the time. I think she had like 900 a million subscribers maybe and I was still I don't even know if I had broken 100 yet. Maybe I had. Maybe I was at like 150,000 subscribers on YouTube. I vividly remember her saying even though I'm so grateful for the platform that I have and the size of the audience that I have sometimes I wish I was a smaller creator because more brands are willing to work with smaller creators because they get more bang for their buck. Instead of paying let's say for example a big influencer with 5 million followers I don't know on what platform $10,000, we can pay 10 micro smaller influencers $1,000 and you get more reach possibly because that's different creators having different audiences. Honestly, there is a market for any size creator and it just depends what the brand is looking for. Some brands maybe just do high stakes deals with bigger influencers that are more money, but a lot of the time when you are smaller, there's more brands that want to work with you because it fits within their budget better. And then you can do more opportunities because sometimes for larger influencers, they'll get really nice size paychecks for one, like a nice size paycheck for a brand deal, but they're not as often, but smaller influencers can do a lot and then it adds up. So honestly, it really just depends. But yeah, I just wanted to let you know that you don't have to have 10,000 followers for a brand to work with you because I've I've seen it be done where people are even smaller than that and they're working with a brand. 
Do you have help with anything or do you do everything by yourself? Right now, I pretty much do everything by myself in terms of filming my videos, obviously. Some YouTubers have producers and videographers. I feel like that would just make my content feel less personal and that's not where I'm at and the content that I want to make right now, so I don't do that. I film all the stuff myself. I also edit my YouTube videos myself right now, which I love to do. I think I had hired an editor for like a year I'd worked with one, and it wasn't necessarily a bad experience. I just missed doing it because honestly, one of my favorite things about what I do is editing. It's super fun and creative for me. Some people hate editing, so it makes sense for them to hand it off. But yeah, I did have an editor for about a year. But now I like to do, I've been doing it myself ever since. And I don't, I think I would only get an editor to help me rough cut something if I was super busy and had other things going on in life. But yeah, I'm super happy to edit my own videos. My podcast, I don't have a producer or like a team really that helps me produce and make it. I do have a network that I post through. But yeah, in terms of like setting up the equipment and all of those extra things, it's just me in my bedroom. <laughs> recording these. I also edit my podcast episodes myself and yeah, that is, it definitely is time consuming, but I like it. I don't love editing podcast episodes just because it's not as creative as editing a video, obviously, because I'm literally just editing an audio waveform. But right now I am, but I would consider hiring that out because it's just kind of like extra stuff that I don't really feel like doing. And I'm not like passionate about editing audio waveforms, like I said. But yeah, filming and editing YouTube videos is very time consuming and I like doing it. The editing part is really fun for me. I do have a creative assistant that I hired, I think in the summer, it'll be two years that I've been working with her. She helps run the podcast Instagram and she also helps script out my ad reads for the podcast, which is so helpful. Also, just any other random stuff that I might need help with for certain projects, she helps. So that's really, really nice. But yeah, in terms of the creative stuff that I do, it is done by me. Have you made profit from your podcast? Yes, I have, which is so cool. I didn't really start it with the intent of that. I just started because I wanted, if, again, if you listened to my last episode, you would know I kind of just wanted to do something different. I'd always had an itch for it and like I kind of thought I would be passionate about it. I was really interested in doing it. And yeah, I've been lucky enough to work with some really cool brands. If you've listened to any of my podcasts, you know that a lot of them do have an ad read in it and you know it when it's happening because I'm, I just start talking about a product. But yeah, anytime you guys use my code, which is usually mind for the podcast sponsors that I work with, it helps keep this podcast going and really means a lot to me and it supports me a lot. So I appreciate that. But yeah, I do make a profit from my podcast. I would say right now, my profit that I make for my podcast is like 10% of my overall income. So by no means is it like fully supporting me and I'm not really doing it for the income at all. I just like to do it, but it is that nice uh, extra money. I'm not gonna lie. Ooh, interesting question. What income stream is the most profitable? Brand deals, affiliate links, AdSense, etc. Genuinely, this depends and varies so much from influencer to influencer. It's crazy. I've had friends who link so many things. You probably follow some people on Instagram who are constantly linking things and they are making some money. Like I don't really link things that often. I do it mo not really to grow my income and to make money from it, but just to be helpful if I know people are going to ask for the link. But some people, their main income is from affiliate links, which is amazing and so crazy to me. 
But yeah, I'm not really, I don't really do that too much. Not super often, but like I said, some people, their most of their income is from that. And the thing about affiliate linking is that you don't have to be a certain size, which I think is another amazing way to make money from social media because you don't have to negotiate with brands. You just have to get signed up with an affiliate linking source. There's different websites. Just research on Google. I use Reward Style, which is like to know it. A lot of creators use that. And then, frick, I forget what the other one is called. Howl. But there's so many different ones. There's Amazon Creator Programs, which I'm sure you've heard of also, where people are like, go to my Amazon store. They're making affiliate link money from every purchase that someone makes through their links. It's definitely not a lot, but it adds up. So yeah, for me, it's a really small portion of my income because I don't prioritize doing that. That's not what I really focus on. I would say it's maybe like 5-10% of my income. Brand deals, again, it varies from creator to creator because it depends what size of brand deals you're getting, how many followers you have. Right now, brand deals are my most profitable income stream just because I do have, like I said, a pretty sizable audience. So brands, when I do work with brands, they my manager will negotiate my rate, which is really nice to have help with that because I would have had no idea how to price myself. But yeah, I definitely make the most from like brand deals. And then for me personally, AdSense, which is making money from the views that you get on YouTube, also varies from season to season. If I'm having a lot of videos that are doing pretty well, then I'll make more. Again, that is so variable because if you're not getting a lot of views on YouTube, you're not going to make much from AdSense. But if you're getting a lot of views on YouTube, and you're posting a lot of videos, you can make some really good money. Some YouTubers have lived solely off of AdSense. For me personally, I think right now it's like 30 to 40% of my income, but it varies and it changes. So nothing's really set in stone with anything in this career, but especially income, you never really know where your next paycheck is going to come from. If it's going to be a dry season and brands aren't doing deals really, yeah, it's, it's never super consistent. How to know which collaboration mails are real versus a scam? Great question. Definitely be wary of that because sometimes there's a lot of scams out there and I don't want you guys to get taken advantage of. Honestly, sometimes you have to do research. Well, not sometimes. Do research on the brand. Talk to them. Make sure they're a real person. Google the company. Look if other people have done brand deals with them. Be vigorous. I don't know if that's the right word. No, that's not the word that I'm looking for. I don't know. Do your due diligence to make sure that it's not a scam because you don't want to give them your big information and then they like hack your entire life. So yeah, sometimes a lot of them, I remember when I was first starting out, so many were a scam and then there were a few that weren't. You just have to, yeah, be wary and do your research. How to get out of the less than a thousand subscribers rut. I went through this too. I think I talked about this, not to reference my last episode again, I was stuck at like getting 30 to 40 views for so long. I was not growing for like the first few years when I was posting, which was a little frustrating. It was a lot frustrating. So I totally understand those feelings there. Honestly, when it comes to this, if you've tried pretty much everything and you're just feeling kind of hopeless, I think that's when you maybe have to look at another platform and try and cross promote. So, okay, maybe... It's, it's hard to grow on YouTube. Like I said, it's not the season where YouTubers are just popping off left and right. The platform where that's happening is TikTok. Maybe try your luck in TikTok and then from there, cross-promote your YouTube channel because it's a little bit easier to get new eyes on TikTok. And then when you get new eyes, you can direct them to your YouTube channel. I would try there. It can be really hard and also really frustrating. Sometimes you feel like you're doing so much and like nothing's coming from it. 
And I've felt that way before too. But what's helped me in the past is the cross promotion, which sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, I have to be on all these separate platforms. It can feel a little bit overwhelming, but that's just the way it is these days. It's hard to grow solely just from one platform, I feel like. Best camera to film videos on the cheaper side. If you have a phone, your phone works great. I do a lot of vlogging from my phone. If I forget my camera or I'm just a little camera shy and the camera's really aggressive, the phone works great. I don't want to sit here and be like, you have to buy all these expensive equipments and editing softwares to be successful. No. People have started with whatever they had around them and made it happen. But yeah, if you have a phone, that works great. But if you want wanted to like get a camera camera, like a, I guess, a camera that is just a camera. Uh, I started with, well, not started, but one of my favorite ones that is really popular that you're probably sick and tired of hearing of, Canon G7X Mark II. It has a flip-up screen to film videos, takes good digital photos. I Oh my gosh. I mean, I've had mine since like 2018. I don't really use it that much anymore. I still have it. Sometimes I'll use it. But yeah, that was tried and true. And it wasn't as expensive as a big DSLR camera with a interchangeable lens. It was pretty simple. All right, I'll end this podcast with a spicy question. What is the money actually like? You know I'm going to be so dodgy about this because, I mean, who actually shares their finances with, like, the entire world? The entire world is so dramatic because I don't know how many people are going to listen to this. Honestly, I've seen creators that have 10,000 subs- or like followers on TikTok make six figures. Again, six figures is also really broad because six figures starts at 100,000 and ends at 999,000. <laughs> like, it's also crazy. Uh, yeah, social media is a very lucrative business. I still don't understand it myself. It's crazy, but yeah, it depends from creator to creator. There's also factors like someone who has a good amount of followers on whatever platform maybe doesn't know how to negotiate for themselves and doesn't know what their content could be worth. So they're not making as much as someone who's smaller than them who negotiates a little bit better. Honestly, it depends, but yeah, it's a big money-making business. That's no secret. So yeah, it really just depends. There's a lot of money to be made if you do go that route and you can kind of figure out how to get there. Some people have done it self-managing. Other people have had managers to help. I do think at a certain point, obviously, like that just comes with growing and whatever. You get a manager, you get an agent, they help you. But yeah, I've seen people make an amazing like amount of money doing it by themselves. So truly, anything is possible. With that, I hope this episode inspired you. My main message that I want to let you know is that it is possible for literally anyone to do it. You listening, it is possible if this is something you want to do, whether it's for fun or maybe you want to make it a job. Yeah, I love what I do and I hope that listening to this made you a little bit more motivated, inspired you, made you feel more confident. Don't feel like it's oversaturated because yeah, there is a lot of people that are trying to do it and that are doing it. But I truly think there's room for everybody because no one is you and that's what makes your content special, the fact that it's you. That's what'll set you apart. That's what'll make your content unique and special is because you're the one doing it. There's no one else that is you that's doing it. So yes, there's room. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and that was everything on my mind. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. 
That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.